Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to talk about Extend Soybeans. We'll talk about herbicides, uh, weeds you may be targeting, modes of action, helpers, lots of things around Extend Soybeans and getting the most out of them. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Well, I'm stuck in the studio today. Brian is out and about, and we've got crop that is happy. It's getting sunshine. It's getting some warm weather finally. And it's growing fast. What are you seeing out there, Brian? Well, first of all, I would say I'm seeing a lot of corn looking better, but it's not where we would like it to be. So, yeah, the heat's going to help a lot. And like you said, we're seeing a lot of happy crops. I don't think they're quite happy yet. There are some that are starved for some nutrients. Some are still just kind of struggling to get going because they were seeded into dry dirt. Um, I, I mean, you got all kinds of things all over the place. So there's a lot of variance right now. But it's gonna things are going to even up here a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Lots of spraying getting done in our region of the country right now. I'm just driving past the field that, oh, my goodness, is it a weedy mess, and there's a guy out there with a great big sprayer. So I, I, I would say this. If you're out in your field spraying right now, or you have been this week, and you had a lot of weeds in the two- to four-inch tall range, I would just say in the future, I would ask you to at least consider applying some pre-emerge herbicide because the pre is going to hold those weeds back and you're just going to end up with a lot more yield. You can still probably kill all the weeds that are out there today, even if they are two to four inches tall. But the problem is you've lost yield. And if it's a dry year, you've lost a lot of yield. That's what I worry about. It's not as bad if you've got lots of moisture and lots of fertility out there. But if you're a little bit lacking in either category, weeds really can devastate yields. So we farm in South Dakota where it's drier than a lot of other areas where corn and soybeans are raised. And I can just tell you from firsthand experience, in dry country, weed control is even more important or put it another way, in a drier than normal year for anyone, weeds cost more yield. Oh, uh, so Darren, you mentioned Extend Flex. You said that's our topic for today great topic because a lot of people are going to switch over and start spraying beans like on our farm we finished spraying corn last week so we'll start spraying beans probably i don't know late this week first to next week something like that with extend if you've got uh so extendamax or ingenia the dicamba for extend or extend flex crops just make sure you're picking it up right now because there is a little bit of a shortage, not bad, not like we're seeing with glufosinate or Liberty, but we are seeing some spot shortages. So pick yours up in advance so you know you've got it. Yeah, that's really important. This year has been interesting. There's certainly supply issues in almost every area of business that we see around. So make sure you're ahead of that. And also, you don't want to miss out on the good spray days. I thought this was kind of interesting. On Tuesday, it was a fantastic spray day in our region. And there were growers that were 
talking to agronomists saying, you know, I should probably start making my plans for this year. And it's just a shame to miss a day like that when you could have been out applying things. Okay, Brian. Uh, well, a couple- it is, but I, I understand it. I, you know, this is one of the things we've always said is, hey, get your pre out and then scout and see what you have for weeds and then make a decision on the pulse product. But it's a lot easier when it is, let's say, extend or extend flex because you know darn well early pass, you're going by camera. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Uh, I got a question in the Ag PhD mailbag, Janelle, if you could jump us in there quick. It's the mailbag. All right. This is from Matt in central North Dakota. And he said, I had a soybean field that had sand basically blowing across it and it dusted off the unifoliate leaves. I'm left with some cotyledons that don't look very healthy. I'm wondering if I should replant or not, or if I should wait a little bit more before I make that decision. I've heard that the auxiliary buds off the cotyledons won't produce as high of a yielding plant. Wondering if that's just no. just garbage or what you would do at this point. That's not true. Yeah, that's 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 really not true. So I, I, I would say if the plants live, then you want to leave them. If they aren't going to live, obviously, you got to go replant. Now, what some guys are doing in those situations is they're going out and adding a little bit more seed in between the rows. So if, for example, it was in 30-inch rows, you could always go in right in the centers and add a little bit more seed so that way you've got something else out there. If some of the plants are dying, but you still have enough sand where you go, yeah, I think I want to leave it. A lot of times for us, the cutoff is about 80,000 plants uh, per acre. If we're still at 80, then we're not doing anything. And we're definitely not doing anything if there is anything still living on that soybean plant. So, well, all the growing points are above ground. As soon as, as, soon as the cotyledons come out, all your growing points are above ground. Um, unless you lose every single one of your growing points, the plant will regenerate. It will produce just fine. I'm not saying you're going to maximize yield anymore compared to an undamaged plant, but you're still most likely going to have more yield than a replant. All right. Got another question in North Dakota from Chantel. She said, had a grower that I work with that took four days to plant a field while the first ones are are up and have some size to them. The last ones are just coming up, but he's got a weedy mess out there and he wants to spray Enlist One, Durango, and additives. Should he wait until all the beans are up to a certain stage or are you more concerned about what stage of growth the weeds are at? (laughs) First of all, you always have to follow the label. So you got to look at what the label says and do that. But I would just say we want to get the weeds as quickly as we possibly can. So I'd be spraying ASAP. Yeah, lots of interesting questions this spring with all the the weather challenges that we've had and everything else. We're going to talk specifically about some of the things you need to think about around extend and extend flex soybeans. And we'll also be tackling any agronomic questions you have at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH. Built 
by farmers. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weave Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weave control. Enlist.com, enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about Extend Soybeans and Extend Flex Soybeans. Lots of things going on there and also quite a bit of concern. We we do get emails on a regular basis from growers saying, man, I had some drift issues. I don't want to have them again. I love the weed control that I'm getting out of the, the new dicambas like Extendamax and Ingenia, but I'm just really concerned. And we've also got growers that say I'm planting the trait I'm not going to use dicamba because I'm too worried that something might go wrong. Well, I don't want you to do that. I, I want you to have access to all the tools in your tool belt. I don't want you to say, well, my best hammer I'm going to leave out here because, man, dicamba can really be a hammer on these weeds. So we want to keep that spray where you're putting it, keeping it on target. And so I thought this would be a great place to start. We've got Nick Flights with us right now with Pentair to talk about keeping dicamba where you want it. Nick, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, Darren. Okay, so we've got Extend Soybeans. We've also got the new Extend Flex Soybeans, which add the ability to spray Liberty. Now, Liberty, haven't really seen a whole lot of problems with that one moving off target. But the Dicamba, well, that's another story. We've definitely seen some challenges there. First of all, let's start from... uh, from some of the spray technology that's out there. What have you seen? What are some differences that, that you're learning with, with different nozzles and what should growers know and take to the field? Yeah. And, you know, talking about dicamba, there's been a heavy focus uh, the past several years on drift control, right? Um, you know, reducing those drift with fine droplets using coarser droplets to prevent the, the potential for off target spray drift. And, you know, the, the first line in that is your spray nozzles, right? Uh, your, your spray nozzles are going to have the, the largest impact on drift potential of your operation based on the type of nozzles you're using. So, you know, all the products have their own, um, you know, proved nozzle list that you can find on there from, from different manufacturers, a, a range of nozzles, sizes, and, and approved pressure ranges that, that you can find on there. Um, a lot of the manufacturers, like uh, you know, Pentair High Pro, will have multiple nozzles on there. 
And some of that is uh, kind of different scales or different drift reduction capabilities. Um, you may have a nozzle kind of like ours, like the, the ultra low drift. Um, it's a very effective drift reduction nozzle, but it's pretty balanced and can give you good coverage as well, a little bit more versatile. And then there's some uh, nozzles on there that have been designed with a, a higher focus on drift reduction in the dicamba uh, platform in mind kind of like the, the ultra low drift max they, they really focus heavily on on drift control and um you know producing really the coarsest droplets uh you know that we can so um there's kind of some thought there that i think should be taken on your specific geography um your area what the conditions are like and what are around you uh that should go into a, a nozzle selection decision it's kind of the first step Okay, so we we got a couple of different platforms there. You talk about the ultra low drift or ULD nozzles that are effective at drift control, but also kind of balanced. We see growers using those with a lot of different herbicides, fungicides, insecticides when they've got a, a dicamba or a 2,4-D type product in the mix. With With those nozzles, it seems like they're really versatile and I would say they're hard to screw up. Am I right in that? Where where some of the other ones that are more heavily focused on drift control, you've got to be a little more fussy. Yeah, yeah, correct. You know, for the most part, I, I would agree with that. With the versatility, you sound, you sound like Brian, there. Nick. For the most part, I agree with you, Darren. Okay, well, where am I missing the mark here? Well, you know, there's certainly instances that. Uh, you know, for a later season fungicide application, I'd probably recommend something a, a little bit finer. You know, um, it's not right for every single application, uh, you know, or maybe a liquid fertilizer or something like that. But let's just talk about the Extend Flex. You mentioned that, you know, that, that ULD is a nozzle that can give you that 90% drift reduction, that regulatory and label compliance for your dicamba application. Um, but then when you want to switch and if you want to switch over and, and apply Liberty glufosinate to that same crop, you can use that same nozzle and, and still get um, 95 to 100% weed control from the, the field trials that we've done as long as you're using that recommended water conditioning agent. So, you, you know, you can, you can do a lot with them. It's, um, you know, versatility, but if you were only going out and applying Liberty, in uh, outside the dicamba system, I probably recommend a different nozzle. Um, but for the extend flex type system, where we're kind of need two opposite ends of the spectrum. If you think about drift reduction and coverage and droplet size, there, you know, a, a nozzle that kind of straddles the fence there, um, you know, is kind of what we're going to recommend. Yeah, the ULD Max. It's it's just exciting that there's more technology coming and. For growers that say, you know, I've had pretty good luck. I just want to be, be really, really sure that I don't have a problem. I would certainly choose a nozzle like that just to make sure I'm doing everything I can possibly do. What do you see with the ULD Max? What I guess, are there a couple of tips you'd have for growers if they're just using this for the first time or or maybe a competitive nozzle that's kind of the same thing we're going to make a bigger droplet we're really going to focus on drift control are, are there some things that you got to watch out for do you have to run more volume or more pressure or anything like that so that's an important thing to hit on you know as we're moving to the, these nozzles that provide 90 and 95 percent drift reduction um you know out there, there there's several out there 
you know, from us and other competitors, that that does kind of come at the, at the expense of coverage. Being that focused on drift control, you start putting in these drift reduction adjuvants that are increasing viscosity and, and surface tension in that. We're increasing our droplet size even more. So we are losing out on coverage. So it's very important, in my opinion, to ensure you're using that 15-gallon per acre water volume minimum. The, you know, the simplest way to improve coverage is to increase your water volume. And we certainly don't want to miss out on coverage, you know, with the nozzles and adjuvant systems we're having to use with dicamba. So make sure you're using that 15-gallon per acre water volume. And then also I recommend you're going to have an approved pressure range. Um, say your approved pressure range for the nozzle you're using is 30 to 70 PSI. I'd recommend trying to be in that 60 PSI range, 50, 60 PSI. That, that pressure is going to help reduce droplet size just a little bit to help improve coverage. And it's also going to ensure we get a good full pattern uh, created. When you start putting in some of these drift reduction adjuvants, there can be some pattern collapse and some interactions with the nozzles that occur. So it's good to check that before you go out and spray, kind of like the old jar test, you know, before you mix something, go out and spray. Before you go out in the field, make sure that that adjuvant and herbicide combination is going to work well with your nozzle. And, and don't be afraid to, to use a little bit higher pressure. Stay on label, but uh, stay on the higher end of that pressure range, and that's going to help you get the best nozzle performance. Okay, one little piece of feedback we've gotten back to is around operating speed. So I kind of wanted to hear your take on this. We've obviously got a lot of acres to get over. There aren't very many good days where it's not windy and the weather's all in the right in the right alignment. I guess all the forces are in the right alignment uh, for success. And so some guys want to push it a little bit. How far can we push our operating speeds and still feel like we're doing a good job for drift and volatility control? Sure, and and that's something that more people are starting to research and, and look into is, is are these interactions and you know if you think about driving across the field say at 15 miles per hour, um, regardless of what the wind in the atmosphere is doing, we're creating our own artificial wind when we're driving. It's 15 miles per hour that um, can interact with those finer spray droplets that, that our nozzles produce, and then if you have wind that day as well you know, there can be an interaction there. So I think staying on label, trying to keep it at or below 15 miles per hour is good. You also got to factor in boom height as we drive faster. A lot of times we want to raise that boom up a little bit higher to keep it safe from the ground. Um, so speed can be a good thing, but like everything, most things are most things are good in moderation. So we, we don't want to push it too far because it will increase that risk of drift potential the the faster we go absolutely we're talking with nick flights here with pentair nick thank you so much really appreciate having you on good luck to you heading into the season thank you appreciate talking about extend and extend flex on today's show and we'll take your calls and questions too at 844-44-AG-PHD Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. 
Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. And that same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Help keep the toughest, most resistant diseases out of your fields with Lucento Fungicide from FMC. An exclusive novel premix of two modes of action delivers broad-spectrum control and a long-lasting protective residual. Tackle key diseases in corn, soybeans, wheat, peanuts, and sugar beets. Choose Lucento Fungicide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or lucento.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions for use. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to leading herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Cheetah, a high-quality glufosinate herbicide made right here in the USA. Now for use on a wide variety of crops with glufosinate-resistant traits, including Enlist crops. Its novel mode of action will manage existing or emerging herbicide resistance and provide fast, effective results. This means you can focus more on profitability and less on weeds. New Farm and Cheetah Herbicide, here to help. Talking about Extend and Extend Flex Soybeans on today's Ag PhD radio program. We're glad you joined us today. Our phone lines will be open throughout. If you have an agronomic question, it can be about this topic or about anything else. That's fine. 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Got our friend Joe Sheffers on with us right now with Bear. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. I want to talk about Extend. I also want to talk a little about Extend Flex. And we've gotten a lot of questions in from our listeners. And probably we've gotten more questions this year about talk to us about these different additives that we've got to put in whenever we're spraying a dicamba product. What what kind of influence do they have? Do you think they really help? So the big change for the year is the addition of a VRA, volatility reducing agent. And uh, the intent of that is to ensure that the tank acidity is uh, managed. So uh, really for all practical purposes, it's the addition of of more uh, vapor grip technology because we know that if you 
add any dicamba product to a spray tank that has a uh, acidic pH, that it increases the potential for volatility. So that is a new addition this year, is that DRA. And uh, they're at a rate of 20 ounces per acre, uh, with the exception of a BS, BASF product that, that is at an 8 ounce per acre rate. But that's, that's the main change for the year. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about just the weed control program in general. Obviously, you want growers to start off with a good pre-emerge program, no matter what they're doing. If it's conventional soybeans or Extend or Extend Flex, getting a lot of those weeds taken care of before they ever emerge is, is the best thing you can do. But let's talk about the post-emerge program now, because Brian was just talking about it as we started our show off today. We're hoping to start spraying some soybeans here coming up really soon, and we've got weeds popping up in the fields already. But when we've got choices now with like Extend Flex, for example, we've got Roundup in the arsenal, we've got Glufosinate, we've got Dicamba. When should we spray which one? How are we going to get the best performance? Really, we're looking for a paradigm shift right now. So, you know, if we look back historically, we let things kind of get, for lack of a better term, a little dirty before we went ahead and started spraying. And uh, the shift, obviously, as you mentioned, is to to get the pre out there, hold the weed pressure down, and then come back with an early post application of, of what we call the, uh, the trifecta, which is your warrant for residual uh, roundup, of course, and extend a max, which gives you some of that uh, additional soil activity because we're out there with, you know, half a pound of dicamba in, in that formulation. So the earlier, the better, really, these first couple of weeks of June is prime time. And then, uh, you know, as we move into the extend flex technology and so forth, that allows us to utilize Liberty as a, a late post rescue if, uh, you know, conditions just weren't favorable for weed control early. But, you know, now is the time to get out there and, uh, and get that uh, early post application on, make sure things are clean now and stay clean throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I've seen too many growers over the last few years that have waited and said, you know, I'm going to do it different. I'm going to try and save my dicamba as long as I possibly can, use it as late as possible and hope that I've got some residual that carries me through. But the downside of that is now everybody else's soybeans that might be a different trait are are big and you may even be close to to bloom and that creates some challenges plus man we're really pushing the dicamba in terms of big weeds maybe even off-label weeds that's a problem and plus we're running up against limits on when we can spray this and all of a sudden you get a rainstorm or a windy week and you can't use it at all so i like your strategy of using that dicamba on the early side i think that's a good deal um the the other thing the other thing you didn't Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, keep it less stressful. The other thing that you mentioned, though, was this tank mix, Warrant and Extendamax and Roundup. We're hearing a lot of growers say, I've got volunteer corn out there. How about volunteer corn herbicide? Can I put it in there? And if I do, what are the tricks to making that work the best as well? Well, we've found, uh, you know, volunteer corn control, whether it's in this situation or, or any other for that matter, is, is to control those volunteer corn early, too, because... Uh, you know, the bigger they are, the tougher they are to pull down. Uh, we found that, you know, we need to keep on the high side of rate of, of your corn killer in order to make, you know, that an effective application. But um, again, if, it's kind of like the weed control piece. You treat those those corn plants like weed, like they are, and get those uh, out of the way as, as early and as quickly as possible. 
Now we still have some growers that say, well, I'm going to plant the Extend or ExtendFlex beans, but I'm, I might not spray dicamba at all. I'm just a little nervous about that. You did a trial just right across the road from our Ag PhD Field Day site, and it, it was really interesting. Can you talk about that? Is that super confidential, Joe, or can you, can you tell our listeners what you did? No, we can sure talk about that. So uh, a couple of years ago, we took a uh, Roundup Ready soybean field, and uh, right after the 4th of July, we decided to uh, to purchase five acres in the middle of this field and spray that with Extendamax. So obviously, being Roundup Ready soybeans, that uh, killed that five acres. And uh, we then set up carps and uh, other measurement devices to see how much movement off of that five acres uh, there would be and uh, it was quite interesting so we had you know pretty warm weather a uh, fair bit of south wind for several days after application and uh, on the south side of the field you know the wind was blowing away from those uh, soybeans little or no damage one or two rows out on the north side of the field where the wind was prevailing and blowing towards the susceptible soybeans you know we saw movement out 60, 80 feet, but not much beyond that, you know, 110 feet and such. So it was a good learning experience. Obviously, we were quite nervous when we did it because we thought, man, you know, how far will this go? And you know, we did it according to label and according to application requirements. And we found that, you know, they're, uh, it doesn't move as far as you'd maybe hear and, and think you'd, you know, hear from others throughout uh, community and social media. It, uh, it did what it was supposed to. Yeah, it was it was really impressive. It was it was neat to to see it from the air and see what was going on. And yeah, if we would have followed the buffer, and again, it was it was a trial and it was intentional. What we did, uh, we would have been in great shape, and it worked fantastic. We had the weed control was great. I mean, everything was was wonderful out there, and uh, it just gave us a lot more confidence too. Just knowing, okay, if we if we actually follow the label, our, our odds of success are really pretty good. Um, we, yeah, that's a great point because I think there was, you know, we we obviously right around the fifth, sixth of July we knocked out the crop, so we created five acres of bare ground, and in normal conditions you would have water hemp and other weeds just kind of take that over. Absolutely, and that's where we also learned that soil activity. Uh, it just didn't have weed pressure for thirty-five and forty days, so that was another good learning experience from it. Yeah, and that was a field that had some water hemp pressure too. So it wasn't like we picked the cleanest field in the world. Uh, I mean, they're great farmers over there, but they definitely fight water hemp just like we do. Um, okay, you mentioned adding Liberty to the system before. How big a deal is Extend Flex right now? I know there's a lot of growers that we hear about that are planting that this year. W- what do you expect to see out of Extend Flex this year, and, and what do you got going forward? So we've aggressively moved to Extend Flex. Our production plan is set up to be you know, in some areas, nearly 100% extend flex. Um, it, it really builds in confidence, right? So we we know that a, a well-positioned extend system will be highly effective on weed control, but not everything always goes to plan. And having Liberty as a late post option is a whole lot better than some of the, the other conventional options that we may have to pick up late water hemp or, you know, other weeds that you know, may or may not have escaped. So we don't see it as a planned program per se. It's it's just an opportunity for us to come in late when Liberty generally works best under those weather conditions and uh, have it as that late post rescue option. 
and also fortunately the varieties are great i mean they just they just perform for us and uh you know that's that's a nice transition yeah that's the that's the toughest thing i've heard from growers that are switching from extend over to extend flex i say man i've got such nice yielding varieties in extend but but you're right just looking at the trials and and looking at a lot of the data from last year with the first generation of extend flex varieties they had some really good yielding beans now there's going to be even better ones going forward talking to joe sheffers with bear joe thank you so much really appreciate the information stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio Pentair Hypro Express Flush Valve reduces plugged nozzles and improves cleanout of your spray boom. Simply flush boom sections with a quarter turn ball valve and leave your tools in the cab. Plus, insulation is easy. Simply remove the existing end cap plug and replace with the Hypro Express Flush Valve. Learn more at pentair.com slash hypro. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone Fan Control System from FarmShop MFG. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans so your grain naturally reaches ideal temperature and humidity. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Don't miss the Ag PhD Field Day this year. After postponing last season, we're back and better than ever, and we have a lot of catching up to do. With the latest in ag technologies on display in our plots, in-person sessions with the world's top farmers, and tons of entertainment, food, and more, it's a day you won't want to miss. Thursday, July 29th, right here on the Hefty Farm. For more information and to register for the Ag PhD Field Day, visit agphd.com. When it comes to soybean diseases, the longer you wait, the more damage you do. Stop the clock on white mold and other yield-robbing diseases with Approach Prima Fungicide from Corteva AgriScience. Approach Prima Fungicide quickly surrounds the surface of the plant for rapid absorption, then moves throughout the plant, providing full protection of each leaf and stem, even those that have yet to emerge. Uptake occurs on day one, nearly twice as fast as the next leading competitor. For more information, visit approachprima.corteva.us or your local crop protection retailer. Always read and follow label directions. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're talking about Extend and Extend Flex soybeans. We're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 
44AGPHD. Got Joe Eichley with us right now with North Dakota State University. Joe, thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. Always, always a pleasure to be on. All right. So, with extended and extend flex soybeans, growers that are planting these beans say the weed control is their number one reason for switching. They they wanted to get additional help on some of the tough weeds. So, I want to ask you about a few tough weeds in North Dakota, and then kind of get your take on this in general. How about kochia? We've really struggled with some of the kochia out there, and I know growers that are in dry parts of the country, and North Dakota has certainly been no exception to this, in dry weather, some of the pre's didn't kick in quick enough when we saw some kochia emergence. Is dicamba a good option for kochia control in North Dakota? It still is in many areas. So if we kind of go back to before when we had extend soybeans, uh, we, we did start to see some slippage of, of kosher control in wheat, but that's, of course, smaller rates of dicamba we'll be using in small grains and corn, or lower rates of dicamba, I should say. But that, that rate that we'll use in soybeans, the half-pound AI per acre, is still doing a pretty good job for most people. A uh, few escapes here and there, and that will probably increase in coming years, but still, I'd say for vast majority, it's still a good option. And, and there are some who did put dicamba on in the pre-emergence situation this year, and as we know, when we do have at dry conditions, especially as dry as we have been, uh, we have seen that benefit uh, on kosho early season as well to this point. Hey, talk about that since since uh, we've both mentioned this. I know for some of our listeners, they aren't super familiar with the weather in North Dakota and what's going on, but, man, it's been awfully dry. What are you seeing that's working? Are there any strategies just for weed control in general in a year like this? Yes, it's definitely been tough. A lot of people have gone back to incorporating herbicides um, and, and trying to trying to get some activation that way. Since we we've basically had one rainfall event that covered the state uh, since the mid part of April, and it's it's very dry. And so, for those who did get a pre on, a lot of times, especially for our corn and soybean acres, that rainfall event timed up pretty well to get our pre herbicides activated with rainfall. Uh, otherwise. Um, you know, some of our earlier planted crops, we, we haven't caught that timely rain. Uh, what we've been telling folks up here is that if you did have a pre-herbicide on, yes, we're going to have plenty of weed escapes, but the, for the most part, those herbicides are still sitting there on the soil. And if you get some rainfall, you will get some activation for that next flush. So it, it may seem like a, a waste of money or a total failure, but we're still getting some money out of that residual herbicide. And that's just what we've been seeing uh, anytime it's dry and certainly as dry as we are, variable emergence, and we're seeing weeds emerge from very deep this year. Basically, where there is moisture is where the weeds have been emerging from. So now it's, we're kind of past the pre-emergence season, and we're, we're kind of going field by field for which, uh, which fields are ready for that early post-application based on some weed sizes. Okay, I, li- I like that talk too. Based on the weed sizes, we we keep talking to farmers about small weeds, and it's funny because uh, Brian jokes uh, at some of the meetings that we do, and I I'll ask girls, well, how big are the weeds, and they'll say four inches. And then I say, well, like, show me, like, how tall would that be? Move your hands four inches apart. And a lot of times they move them about 12 inches apart. Do you kind of hear the same thing, Joe? It seems like farmers maybe know that lingo that they want to say, well, it's probably two to four inch tall weeds when in reality they might be a little bigger. Yep. Yeah. It seems like four inches tends to get stretched out. It's like, it's like the old fishing stories. Where it seems like <laughs> exactly. The, the more you tell the tale, the, the bigger it actually gets, but it's still 
still going to be the, that one length or that one height that we said in the story. <laughs> yeah. Are you shooting for four inch weeds or what do you, what do you kind of target? Is it two inch weeds, six inch weeds? What do you shoot for in North Dakota? I am for, for me, it's always ideally we do want to go for those two inch weeds. Uh, we, we certainly know that herbicides will work on weeds at that size. Once, once we start getting to four inches, then, then we start kind of playing that game. Well, is it the average weed height or the max weed height? And I just kind of say, well, if for four inches for some of these chemistry like dicamba, that's the, the weeds you want to kill need to be that size. So if yeah. you go average weed height and you have weeds that are taller than four inches, then you may expect to drop off in performance then. So when, when we're talking the chemistries like dicamba, uh, 2,4-D as well, Liberty, you know, four inches is, is really about the max where we want to expect very good performance from those herbicides. Okay. Are there any weeds in particular that you would advise farmers in soybeans this year in North Dakota that you'd say, man, be on the lookout for this one. It's getting tough to control. The the ones that keep creeping up on us in soybeans, water hemp has, has expanded its acreage and it's, it's probably slipped from some people's mind this year since we, we think of water hemp being very problematic when it's wet and it's so dry, but I, I can tell you the areas that had water hemp last year, if we're out scattering this field, we have anywhere from cod leading to about six-leaf water hemp right now. So it's still there, ready to do some damage. Of, of course, we already talked about uh, kosher some, just a problem statewide. And uh, mare's tail or horseweed is becoming a bigger problem for us in our no-till acres. Uh, so what what's really tricked some people this year is we've been so dry that uh, winter annual weeds, uh, weren't really present at planting, but I like to remind folks that mare's tail or horseweed can also act as a summer annual. So where we did get some rain, if there's that mare's tail seed, it, it will be coming. So that, that's another one we need to keep an eye out for because it it was difficult to find early on because of the, the lack of moisture. But where we did catch some rain, I suspect it will be coming on strong. Sure. Why are growers having trouble with lambs quarters? We we get a lot of calls on lambs quarters too, and it seems like, especially with Extend or Extend Flex, you got so many good options for lambs quarters. Is it just a matter of not using strong enough rate or not getting them when they're small enough? What's the challenge there? I'd, I'd say it's all of the above, and if we go back to some biology, I mean, the, the lambs quarters has such a thick, waxy cuticle on it that it's pretty difficult to penetrate that and get herbicides into the plant in general. So once we get size on lambs quarters and throw in some environmental conditions, it, it can be tricky with post-emergence herbicides. The one thing I do like to kind of preach whenever I can is that uh, most of our soybean herbicides, uh, pre-emergence herbicides, do work very very well on lambs quarters. So if we can catch it with a pre, uh, we're doing a pretty good job, but we can see that variable activity post-emergence, and it kind of goes to lambs quarters biology and, of course, some environmental conditions we'll be facing as well. Okay, how about one other weed that we get, I would say, more questions out of North Dakota than anywhere else, is volunteer canola. What do you do in an extend or an extend flex system to control volunteer canola well? Well, of course, it kind of goes back to what which canola trait you had. Uh, so if you're a Liberty Link canola, then you know, certainly Glyphosate will do a good job. Now, if we do have extend flex soybeans, if you had Roundup Ready canola, then you can use some Liberty in the extend flex soybeans. Uh, others that we'll kind of go back to if we use some of our group 2 herbicides like Raptor or uh, group uh, 14 herbicides like Femesfin, Reflex, Flexstar, those all still do a pretty good job on volunteer canola. So one other one that we could add to, to the tank this year is a freeze. So it seems like our cold temperature snap last uh, Friday did take care of some of the volunteer canola that was up. So maybe not a, 
a reliable mode of action, but did help some this year. Yeah, now that's not one I want to count on, Joe, other than in the fall. In the fall, that's fine, <laughs> but but no, not not this time of the year. And gosh, I saw some snow from some parts of North Dakota. It's it's tough. Okay, so talk to us about that. Is this week a good week to be out spraying, or do we need to give things a few more days to recover? Well, that that's really, we are in a pretty tough spot for that this week, and that's really dominated my questions. Is we had a freeze event last Friday. We're really evaluating stands over the over the, the holiday weekend, and then many people they didn't check the weather. Now we're going to be over ninety degrees again uh, here tomorrow, and so for many it kind of depends on where your crop is at. But in general, we'll we'll be pushing close to hundred degrees here by Friday and Saturday. So if we were able to spray, uh, basically Monday through about today are the best spray days of the week. Uh, we're going to be getting so hot, and we'll have some stressed. Uh, some stress, certainly some stressed wheat and corn crops that will probably be best to park the sprayer while we get through the 100 degrees and then hopefully get some, some cooler temperatures next week and be able to begin spraying again. But yeah, we, we went straight from below freezing to above 90 in, in a hurry. <laughs> what, what a year in North Dakota, no doubt about it. Well, we're talking with Joe Eichley here with North Dakota State University. Joe, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the time today. Thanks for all the advice as well. Yep, you bet. Thanks for having me on talking about extend and extend flex soybeans on today's show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Maintaining your crops is as important now as it's ever been. Howler, a revolutionary fungicide from AgBiome, can help. It provides long-lasting protection from a broad spectrum of foliar and soil diseases that affect crops. Howler is OMRI listed, has multiple modes of action, and has minimal pre-harvest and re-entry intervals. It's flexible, easy to use, and is available right now. Visit agbiome.com forward slash Howler to learn more. If you're a student seeking a career in agriculture or just want to learn more about raising good crops, at Ag PhD, we have some great news for you. On Saturday, June 26th, we're holding an Ag PhD Young Farmers Field Day right here on our farm. In addition to providing great information, we'll be heading into the fields to show you the principles of agronomy and crop scouting firsthand. College scholarships will be available to eligible attendees too. For more information and to register for the Young Farmers Field Day, visit agphd.com. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. A history of success means proven performance. But let's call performance what it is, profitability. And boosting yours, no matter what the season brings, is the goal of DeKalb brand corn. Backed by exclusive genetics, whole farm solutions, and unmatched dealer support. Let nothing shake your perseverance. Ask your dealer how DeKalb brand corn can help you realize a future of performance. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. 
Mycoapply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about Mycoapply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio. Or you can email us, radio at agphd.com. Got Jeremy on with us right now over in Minnesota. Jeremy, thanks for hanging on there. Oh, no problem. All right, so I saw your pictures, and it doesn't look good, but I'm wondering, what does it look like today? Is it looking better? Um... Kind of, sort of, I guess, after, basically after I took the pictures, it got, well, cold there over the weekend, and kind of got a, somewhat of a cold rain on it, I guess, but, I mean, yeah, they look, they're looking a little better, but, um, you know, in the worst spots of the field, I did go back and replant some beans in there. Okay. Um, oh, maybe, maybe, curious, uh, Jeremy, well, maybe you should uh, just give a quick update to our, our uh, listeners that may not have caught you when you are on earlier about uh, what, what actually happened in your soybean field and, and why why'd you have to put some replant seed out there? I um, was planting soybeans, and uh, on the soybeans I did plant, well, the first time I planted them, I guess, I uh, uh, put some in-furrow fertilizer, a quart of manganese and a quart of micros uh, in-furrow with uh, four and a half gallons of water for five gallons total to the acre and um, having issues with, uh, especially in the drier parts of the field with, uh, looks like it hurt the stand or hurt the soybeans. Um, very uneven, I guess, there. Yep. Um, yep. And we, like we've even, seen I, that, we've seen that before, but it sounded like such low rates that you had, but again, it was pretty dry too, and I, I would assume that played into this. And then, is the soil a little bit lighter? Just looking at your pictures, it seemed like it looked a little bit lighter, but it, it could have just been, you know, that it's a picture too. It's like 10, 10 CEC. Okay. Um, you know, so not and lighter, but not the lightest. It's more of a you know a clay soil, I guess. So, um, even parts of the field, you know, I get in the low low areas of the blacker ground, and it definitely. Definitely seemed like the beans took it a lot better. I suppose a little more moisture there, a little heavier soil or something. But yeah, I just <laughs> I can't imagine. I, I, did, I didn't think it'd be that you know that much of a fine line that. Well, like I said, even I had that low low rate of fertilizer and yeah, water and down. and you had water in there too. I know it seemed like you were doing a lot of the things right there, but it it must have just like you say, it must have just been that fine line this year. Right, I know. Like I said, even and all the beans are planted about a good inch and a half deep. You know, to keep because they were in the moisture when we planted them. So um, even at that, you know, it just seems <laughs> I don't know. It seems odd, I guess. So, but um, so yeah, I did go back and replant some in the worst spots. Um, you know, depending on what parts of the field. Like, yeah, I probably some spots of the field. You know, down to forty, fifty thousand. That was 
up that day. Like I said, there does seem to be a few more coming through yet, but it just really seems like they're lagging and really slow. Of course, it didn't help. We've been cold here over the weekend, and it does look like you know, in the low spots of the field where the beans did look good from the fertilizer that eh, they kind of got nipped a little bit there, I guess, from the frost now. So Yeah, if it's not one um, thing, it's the other in 2021. <laughs> Right, exactly. Well, now you got um, some heat coming on, so here will be the true test, and we'll see if, if stuff's coming out of this or what. And, and like I say, when you're able to fill in some of those other spots with a little extra population, it's probably the best thing you could do. Yeah. I was just, like, on them, the pictures I sent, you know, the ones that the soybeans that were up that were hurt from the fertilizer, you could tell it's just, you know, basically a tap root there um, with no hair roots or anything. Do you think that'll be a concern in the future as, you know, will it still put nodules on or get – you know, keep, uh, you know, put more roots on or root hairs? Or, I, I think so, especially you guys got a little bit. Of, how much moisture did you end up getting? Well, actually, after I planted, within a week, I got inch and a half, inch and inch and a quarter rain. Um, yep. And then that was just actually, yeah, within a week after planting. And then uh, since that first inch and a quarter, probably gotten another three-quarter of an inch, I suppose, okay. probably even two inches since planting i guess so it's been um been pretty decent for moisture so okay well that that um, helps a lot i i think what that's going to do is it's going to disperse a lot of that uh fertilizer and then also the roots will grow out of that zone where the fertilizer is more concentrated and at that point you'll start to see a lot more root hair development and yeah i i certainly wouldn't expect that to impact your nodulation i think if the beans grow and they're going to make it they're going to have some nodules Okay, yeah, that's what the kind of my main concern because I, you know, like I said, I drilled some more in, you know, seventy, eighty thousand, and depending on how much uh, stand I had there, and it's like, well, now if them don't happen to turn out, it's like, am I still going to be short on population, or you know, I reseeded some in, but um, I just didn't know. I just, it's been hard to tell. Like I said, I haven't been getting any heat now ever since I've even replanted, really, and you know, it definitely looks like they're still lagging, uh, lagging behind the other beans that, or where I didn't put fertilizer on the strips you know i left some strips out there so um i just didn't know if they're gonna always be short or just always behind or maybe catch up or get growing or what's gonna go on with them yeah i sure hope when they get the roots out if they were they're good enough to get through that zone and and start growing outside of it and now you've got some moisture that'll help too and and we get some heat here and things really start taking off i i think it's gonna even out a lot okay perfect um one other thing, in the past few years, I've been noticing, um, like, the soybeans, even, well, like, this year, it's happened on some spots, too, you know, where I even didn't put the fertilizer. Um, they're trying to push, they're right, they're right there from pushing the, pushing the heads through the ground, cracking through the ground. And uh, it just seems like that neck on that soybean is just so small and thin and weak that it, some of the heads break off right before they push through the ground. Um and even, like, on fields that, you know, it's nice soft dirt yet where it didn't crust over. Um, I'm just curious, have you guys seen that before? Or yeah. Or is there something we, we that's causing that? Or? We see some of that every year, and there's there's a lot of different things that could potentially be an issue. 
Uh, one of them is planting depth. When when we okay. this year especially we saw more guys with dry conditions planting a little deeper than they normally would intentionally, and and that leaves yep. us susceptible to that that they just kind of run out of gas and they've kind of given all the push they can. We we certainly see that when we've got compaction issues anywhere. So if there's a compacted zone that they're trying to get through, that can be a challenge yep. or or a crusting issue. Uh, you know there there could be. I guess any number of things that that could cause it sometimes and here's one of one of my wild theories that that uh, brands out on the road today if he was in here he'd probably get after me about even saying this but one of my wild theories is large soybeans small soybeans I wonder you know sometimes I like the large soybeans that they generally have more it feels like they have more energy if you get them in the wrong situation but one of the challenges is sometimes I've seen them push out and and pull off a cotyledon and I felt like it was just because it was a large cotyledon but it's probably not accurate at all there's a wild theory I had I I don't know there's just so many things that that can lead into this of course insect damage if you had any of that but if it looked clean and healthy and white and just thin my guess is it could be a planting depth thing or just that it's been so darn cold that it took forever to get out and it just ran out of gas yeah that's what i was kind of thinking too and then um i I don't know i'm swear in the past when we had some crushing issues we're losing so the heads are breaking off and I was talking with Dad about this, and I think he thought that even when they, you know, they're right there and the head broke off, and he thinks they even re-sprouted from there. I know there was another question earlier in the show that a guy was asking maybe about that or something, but have you seen that before? Well, there can definitely there the there definitely can be some additional buds that come out from right beside the cotyledon. So it it, it okay. ki- kind of I guess yeah it kind of can, but for the most part yeah if it breaks there you're done. Okay. All right, I see. Say, do you, uh, can I ask one more question? Yesterday, you mentioned um, something about planting some corn on June 11th, uh, 2019. Do you remember what day that was or <laughs> how many day corn that was? <laughs> uh, I think 83 day for our farm. Okay. Down by All Sioux right. Falls. So, yeah, yeah there okay. there's yield uh, potential in the... The 75-day corn is is a little bit more limited, but when you get up in that 78, 79, 80-day and later, there's some yield potential there. There's no doubt about it, and we we sent some some uh, really early corn out to the world record corn grower, and he got some tremendous yields out of some early corn. So I know you could still get some big yields. I know you can still get 200. And I, right. I'm not saying that that's going to be better than what you can do with a full season one, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's definitely some potential there to still get some yield. Well, I'm going to maybe try some 75 day in the next couple of days here. I got 30 acres of hay. I didn't really like to stand in. So <laughs> I'm going to give it a try, I guess. So. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll <laughs> be fun to see how that plays out. Well, Jeremy, we're out of time here. we got to run, but but good yep. luck to you. Thanks for the call. Thank you. Yep. Had a fun time talking with uh, a number of people here about Extend and Extend Flex today and also about some of the dry weather and cold weather and weather challenges that we're having in 2021. It's going to be a fun season on Ag PhD Radio, so thanks for tuning in today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.